Hello, and welcome to UCM Radio, The Beats. You're listening to Chatting It Up, the only radio show where I perform interpretive dance for my guests. I'm Greg Burns, and joining me today, we have Timothy Richner, an airport management major. Hey, Greg, it's good to be here. And I hope you know, I will be holding you to that interpretive dance promise. Oh, yes, and I will be doing some interpretive dance. This first one I call the turtle. That's really good, honestly. I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Thank you, thank you. Anyway, speaking of airport management, I only have one word to say to you, Tim. Planes. Planes, planes, planes. What more can I say except why did you decide to be a pilot? So this, this uh, goes back quite a ways. I usually trace it because, you know, I, I get this question a fair bit. So I've got my answer ready. Um, but I usually trace it back to the street fair for UCM. I'm, I'm from Warrensburg, too, so I've been here doing stuff on campus for a long, long time. Um, but sixth grade or so, we came to the street fair. Uh, UCM flight department had their display plane out. Um, and that's I, I sat in it, asked the, uh, the aviation students questions about it. Um, that's where I first started learning about airplanes, started getting to know uh, first, you know, the, these exist. This is really cool. And then from uh, then, uh, I, I asked my grandpa to fly with me. He flew ultralights for a lot of years. He even had a uh, grass strip on his farm, a bunch of hangars he built for his friends who also flew ultralights. But yeah, he, so he, he flew me for the first time just kind of over the farm area. Uh, that, was, that was a really cool experience. Uh, the thing about ultralights, if you've never seen one, they're they're very sm- they're very small airplanes. Usually they're just a bunch of aluminum tubing and some fabric over the wings and not much like to enclose the the pilot or anything. So I was wearing shorts. There was no floor under my legs. So I remember when we were landing, the the grass clippings were thrown up into my legs. I was, I felt like I was getting grass cuts the whole time because I was wearing shorts, but uh, and there was no floor. But it was a lot of fun. I I was really cold, but I still enjoyed it because you know the wind blowing through. Um, again in shorts, but it was so much fun. And from, from then on, I was kind of hooked and, uh, just pursued everything I could from aviation ever since. And yeah, that's actually really cool. And pretty much the only thing I know about ultralights is, I mean, there was a Mythbusters episode on it where they tried to build one entirely out of duct tape. Oh, I, I yeah, I saw that one. I that's a really that cool episode. And they succeeded because duct tape can fix anything. It's the handyman's secret weapon. Because they did one where they had to repair the plane with duct yeah, tape. Yeah, where they, they like and that, patched it over yep. and then completely where you did the skin, right? And yeah, that was the second time they okay. did it was they just, they were like, here's a frame and then let's just do the entire thing in duct tape. And then they yeah. also did the MacGyver one with the bamboo and duct tape. That one didn't work out, sadly. Yeah, I remember that and I remember the, the skin one. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of MacGyver. So like when I heard, oh, that didn't work out, oh, it's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone was like, ah, But maybe it's good just so people don't go out trying to build airplanes out of bamboo and duct tape. There actually is, uh, are some airplanes made out of bamboo, though. Some old, like, World War II era ones when metal was getting scarce. Um, the couple of them are still flying. I've heard one not too far away. Haven't ever seen it, but, um, yeah, they, they, they've gotten creative in a lot of ways for historic airplanes. Cool. Speaking of historic airplanes, are any of them your favorites? So, uh, if, I'm going to divide this question into two. 
Um, I mean, we've got my my favorite airplanes, you know, looking historically, like the what what they were used for, just the things that I like about them to look at, to to learn about the the ones that are cool, but I don't necessarily fly. And then the the questions are the ones that I've flown of the ones that I've flown. Which one is my favorite? So starting historically, um, and I know this is an answer that a lot of pilots would agree with based on what they know about them. It's I know it's a popular airplane for this type of a question. But we've got like the, the DC-3, DC-4 type airplanes, and those are um, some old kind of World War II era ones. That, that, if you look them up, the, the DC-3 and DC-4 are pretty different, but between those two, I can't really pick a favorite. But I just think they're both very cool, you know, just to look at, but then also the history. Um, the DC-3 in particular has been used for a lot of things from, from you know, wartime use. It was, it was, it really, the DC-3 really transformed the airline industry in the 30s. To that, That's what really brought airlines up to like, you know, large scale passenger operations going a little further. And then then that airplanes, there were so many of them, it was getting popular. It was commissioned for war use. It was used um, in D-Day and carried a lot of soldiers. And then after that, there were so many surplus ones that again, it was very popular for the airlines as they were coming out of World War II. Assuming I remember all my history correctly, I think that's pretty close to accurate, but it's been a while since I've looked anything up on that. But yeah, there's just a lot of history in that airplane. That's um, just really cool to learn about and really cool to see what air power has been able to do in the past. Um, as far as my favorite airplane that I've flown, I'm probably going to go ahead and say Piper Archer. A lot of people do flight training, and UCM has the Cessna 172s. Um, I've done flight training in those. Um, it, it's another fantastic airplane, but the Archer is nice. That it, it just goes a little faster. you got a little bit more space a little bit more climb performance. So just so some of those extra features have been really nice as I've been doing some more advanced training in an Archer as compared to um, the Cessna 150, 152, 172 that I've done a lot of training prior to this in. So that's really cool. But building off of that, what sort of functionalities of planes uh, pretty much do? Like, is it just for transporting you from one side of the country to the other? Or do you do anything else with them that's interesting? So... At, at my point in my training, a lot of what I do in airplanes is just for mostly for training or time building, which, I mean, that's really the first step to a career in aviation is you got, you got to do the training. You got to know how to use the airplanes first. So, you know, for the most part for me right now, it's just um, going up either by myself or with someone to or my instructor to to work on, you know, flying or the, you know, the process of flying, emergency procedures. Um, what to do if you lose an engine, what to do if you're on fire. Um, and I know people are scared about that kind of stuff with airplanes, but, you know, from the very beginning, pilots are trained in how to deal with that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's where a lot of the safety comes in. And there's just a lot of training right now. It's the big process that I'm going through. Cool. And speaking of going through a process, if you could watch any movie right now, what would you choose? I feel like Airplane's only appropriate. It is a very good movie. I, like, if we're talking this much about airplanes, you got to watch the movie Airplane. Speaking of airplanes, you said you wanted to be an airport manager. What made you decide that route? So there are several factors that, that played into my choosing the airport management major. One of the biggest ones is just looking at the experience I've had in the past. You know, I've talked about I've, I've been pursuing aviation since sixth grade. For, with the experience I've had since then up to now and looking at what I'm going to be able to get like more easily outside of college, what I'm going to be able to get in a career, and then also looking at the experience I've got 
what's gonna, what I'm going to get soon versus what I'm going to need for a career. Um, I felt like the the business focus that there is in an airport management major, because um, that's really what it is. It's um, a lot of it is kind of a business aspect specifically for aviation. That felt like the part that was missing that I needed to fill in was that um, that that business aspect. And so, so getting getting more training in that in college, I felt like it was going to kind of round out the experience I have um, to to really be able to pursue what I want to down the road. And of course, like looking at that versus looking at other majors that would maybe fill in some of those same gaps. Of course, sticking in the aviation department was what I was a lot more interested in. Just any time you put something in an aviation context, it inst- instantly becomes a lot more interesting to me. So um, that th- those factors kind of all played together and made airport management seem like a good option. A lot of, one of the big things that people talk about for people getting started in aviation is network, network, network. Get to know as many people as you can because um, that's really the key in getting a job down the road is knowing people who are doing what you want to be doing and they can put in a good wor- good word for you. So, you know, it's hard to know who I'm going to meet down the road, who's where I'm going to be able to get a position. And then, of course, how things are going to change down the road. You know, we saw a year ago now how things changed for the airlines very, very quickly um, and then how they had to adapt. You know, no, none of the airline managers saw it coming. Uh, none of the airport managers saw it coming. The, uh, it was a huge change. I don't know if any of you guys saw the pictures, um, but, you know, the at the international airport up in Kansas City, they Delta just parked rows and rows and rows of jets. Um, and that was not that was true not just at Kansas City but at other places around. There was no demand for them, and so they just they just parked them on the runways. And so you just saw huge lines of airplanes, you know, like these huge airplanes that were just flying everywhere a couple months ago. I, I was actually up in Kansas City uh, over the summer and went went up to the airport and just took a look. It, it was crazy just to see that. And so you know, the airport managers have to figure out how do we deal with this decrease in traffic, but also this increase in parked airplanes here at an airport that's designed to have airplanes, you know, move in and move out within a very short amount of time for the efficiency of a commercial operation. Yeah, no, and I feel like airport management, I'm sure it has a lot of like unique aspects about, you know, making sure like the flight tower is doing its good stuff because the flight tower is very important in aviation. I know that stuff. I know basics. I'm edumacated. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it, Greg. Honestly, I'm, I'm so glad that you know how how the entire national airspace system works yep. um, in conjunction with oh, yeah. the public use airports Got and the commercial any service. any questions, I can tell you anything about airspeed, velocity, time squared. Great, moving on. I'll be honest, Greg, I really don't know how to respond to that just because I'm going to say it, it's non-standard terminology. Uh, I know, I, I, I know way too much for you to understand. It, it's okay, Tim, you know. I, like, I'm, I'm down here and you're, like, up here. It's just, th- there's just a gap I can't span. But so. let me go ahead and perform some interpretive dance to help you understand what I'm trying to convey here. All right, I'm going to need, I'm going to need some airplane noises, so, you know, s- some wings. Just whoosh, 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 whoosh. I'll accept it, but it sounds a little more like a helicopter. <laughs> Much better. Yeah, that sounded pretty good. Speaking of hearing helicopters, that's... I, that's one thing that I think is pretty funny. So, you know, you always see pictures of pilots. They've got their headsets on, their microphones coming around. Um, they're talking on the radio to, to either air, other airplanes to the control tower like you were talking about. But when a helicopter calls up, you can hear the helicopter blades. And you're like, they're like, you know, this is helicopter, whatever their tail number is. And you're like, yeah, I can hear that. Speaking of managing aircrafts, we did have a listener's plane flyover earlier with a banner asking if you prefer hamburgers or tacos. 
again, this is going to be a question that I've got to I've got to divide. I know you want a simple answer here, but I can't in good conscience give you a simple answer, Greg. So if we're talking very strictly hamburgers or tacos, I'm going to go tacos. If we're talking cheeseburgers or tacos, cheeseburgers. If we're talking cheeseburgers or taco salad, taco salad. I've got a, I've got a whole list, Greg. You, you got to know which food you actually prefer. If you want a short answer, though, tacos. I hate that, though. However, Although I will you say, did say cheeseburgers are better than tacos, and I count cheeseburgers as hamburgers. So I win. That's fine. Yay. I, I've had me some good burgers. Burgers so. are very good. Anyway, I heard that you do some scale model crafts. Uh, what do you make, and how did you get into that? So for the most part, I make um, model airplanes. I, I use just pretty common materials, foam board, hot glue, uh, like like your foam board you get from Dollar Tree or whatever, and you you just cut it. You can assemble it. You you just get some plans from online, and then it, it it all comes together to a very very nice airframe that's pretty cheap and light and durable. Um, it's really surprising how well they hold up. But yeah, so th- those are the ones that I make. Um, is some some fixed wing little airplanes, either models of real airplanes or you know just little models that fly well. That's a lot of fun to do. Sometimes I, some of my models I get electronics for, you know, uh, transmitter, receiver, motor, battery, all that fun stuff. Um, and you can actually like power it up, take it up, fly it around. Um, some of them I just balance out and you just throw them around as a chuck glider. Those are a lot of fun to throw around with someone. Um, it's kind of like throwing a frisbee around, except it's shaped like an airplane. Yeah, that actually does sound like a lot of fun. And me and my dad, actually, uh, we used to build those, the, the ones you threw. Uh-huh. And so we'd always go down to the park and we'd throw those. It's a it's a lot of fun. To it do is with fun. So, um, I've got however, a, it gets very tiring very quickly because yeah. of all the running. <laughs> it, it's a lot of running, especially if the wind catches it and it just keeps going, and I keep running after it. But yeah, so those are a lot of fun. That's that's what I do. I've also um, done a little bit of stuff with quadcopters um, and little helicopter stuff, but I haven't built any of those. Ask me how I got in. Yeah, did you have another question? Cool, but yeah. So how did you get into that hobby then? I, I don't uh, remember exactly when it was, but several years ago, I just stumbled across um, a group on YouTube that that's what they do is they uh, design, fly, model airplanes. And so started following them, um, found some of their websites, some of their, uh, that's where I get my plans from. And, you know, you just print it out and you put it together, you fly them around, and that's pretty much where I started. I started learning from that and then just went from there. Yeah, and I actually started doing something similar to that in one of my own hobbies. Uh, I'm big into miniature painting. Yeah, I've which, seen some of them. They look yeah. they look really, really good. I do really enjoy it. Uh, and for you listeners, miniature painting isn't just painting it on a tiny canvas, although I do do that as well. Uh, I'm talking about like painting miniatures for board games and tabletop games. But I recently created an art account on Instagram. And so I was able to start, you know, posting about it to get a following. And then I realized just how many other people have done that as well. And I just started following a bunch of them. And then I just became so engrossed in the community that I actually regularly talk with a bunch of the people that I've met from just uh, talking to them on Instagram. It's amazing how hobbies will, will link you up with people. If you just get out there with it and go for it, um, you'll, you'll find people who enjoy it too. And, you know, when you get the other people involved, that's when it really starts getting fun. Oh, yeah. 
And it's great because like I have some great friendships from that. We sometimes, I'm sure none of us are actually art majors or anything, but some of the conversations we get into about like color theory and stuff like that mm -hmm. is just hilariously amazing that we're just like, we're, we're casuals pretty much because it's just a hobby. It's not our careers or anything. And yet here we are debating about which color is best for your barbarian miniature. <laughs> yep. That, that's some of the fun stuff too is just when when you get into that field and you're with people who know enough about it that then you can really drive down into the details that's when things start getting really fun oh yeah ain't no else is really fun commercial breaks and we're gonna go into one right here and when we get back we'll be hearing from tim about what his favorite parts of flying is <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> you don't want me to be the host, do you? Uh, no, no, no. Here, here, here. You are the host now, Tim. Go ahead, ask me the questions. I am ready. And welcome back to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio The Beat. We last left off hearing from me. That's that's me, Tim. We're, it's, we're chatting it up with myself today, actually. Oh, I'm uh, not even a part of the show anymore. I see how it is. No, you're, you're, you're still part of the show, Greg. Um, you just handed me your script here, and so I'm going to ask you the questions. Let's see here. Where were we? Um, what do you enjoy about flying the most, Greg? Oh, you know me, an avid flyer. I got, like, what, 30 miles down now? Frequent <laughs> On flyer? On my frequent flyer, yeah. <laughs> 30 miles, man. That's That's barely enough to get up in the air and get back down. I mean, honestly, my favorite part of flying, I would say, because I, I have been in a couple of planes before, uh, is good. I just enjoy looking out the plane at everything, mm -hmm. especially when it's not like all the way up yet, and like oh, still, yeah. still like in like the medium range where you look down and you can still see the cars. Yeah, I, I love it when you can look down and see see the little cars moving around, because uh, then I'm like, wow, look at all those the, those little people, pretty much, and it's just like. I mean, sure, it's like, you know, kind of like a God complex right there kind of thing. But also it's just the fact of seeing how much we've done as humanity. Because, mm -hmm. like, when you're on the ground level, like, in a city or something, you only see, like, two or three blocks at a time. Right. You can't really get the whole perspective of the city. But then when you're flying over the city and you realize that it's, like, pretty much as far as the horizon is, when you're in the plane, it's like, wow, this city is 10 times bigger than I ever thought it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Maybe maybe we should switch. You had a great flying answer. answer. No, but I'll, I'll go ahead and chime in now. I, I agree so much about, you know, just getting to see the world from a different perspective is a lot of what they talk about. One, one of the jokes that uh, is, is on a lot of pilot shirts is, uh, pilots, it says on the shirt, looking down on people since 1903, which is when, when the Wright brothers first <laughs> flew. And, you know, th there's humor in that, but um, it, it, it's true. You know, we, we get up there, we get to look down on the world and see, you know, wh what what things are. And that's one of the things that's a lot of fun about flying, you know, in this town I've lived in for so long is I, I look down and I'm like, oh, there's Walmart. There's the roundabout, you know, there's the there's the airport I've driven by every time I've gone to my grandparents' house since I was born. You know, that that's that's really cool stuff to do. And then 
Um, even seeing it at night is such a different perspective beyond that, too. You get, you get to see the city lights and you look out on the horizon. You've got, you know, the little dots every so often of people's, you know, utility lights out. Um, you know, they just got that one light outside their house. Um, and you can see that at night or you can see um, sometimes you go just a little further towards Kansas City and you can see all the city lights on the horizon. Um, and that's really cool, too. Um, so j- just that per- that new perspective is a really fun thing about flying. And for that reason, like the reasons of getting to fly, you know, right where you are and seeing it from like higher but not, you know, airline high. Is, that's what I would recommend, you know, if you don't if you haven't uh, go up with someone in a small airplane and see how, how things look close by. It's it's a lot of fun. It's the just the feeling of leaving the ground. It, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, when I was flying over Nevada going to California, uh, my sister had got the, the window seat, and the entire time she was there for phone, uh, this is just a funny little side tangent, but she was out there the whole time with her phone taking pictures of random locations, and I'm like, Rebecca, what are you doing taking pictures of these random mountains and random clearings? And she's like, I'm looking for places where Area 51 might be. <laughs> I'm like... Rebecca, it's common knowledge where they are. Why are you doing this? Like, because they're hiding the aliens from us, Greg. Don't you understand? I got to find out where they're hiding the aliens. I'm like, oh, Rebecca, never grow up. Yeah, that's, that's funny. So I've also been told that you're part of the Civil Air Patrol. What is that? And what can you tell us about your time there? So what is that is always a fun question to answer. Just It's a big organization that people don't know a lot about. It's um, So the, the basic answer is we're the uh, auxiliary of the United States Air Force. I guess maybe a good way to answer it is to go back to the founding. So December 1st, 1941 was when the organization was formed. What it was, it was a bunch of people. And for, for those of you know who, you're, who know your history, Pearl Harbor was December 7th, 1941. So six days before that um, was the actual founding of Civil Air Patrol. But a bunch of citizens who wanted who, who saw the war coming they wanted to help their nation but for some reason or another they couldn't necessarily join the the regular armed forces so they they volunteered their time their talents their airplanes to, to help the United States in that wartime and that's kind of the tradition that's continued all the way through the 75 80 years we've had since then I guess I guess actually this year is uh, December of this year is 80 years for Civil Air Patrol but just that that idea of citizens serving communities is one of the phrases that we we use a lot. Um, and it's just civilians, they, they um, come to this organization, they just volunteer. Um, they, we, we train a lot, we, you, and then we use those talents that we have to serve our communities in whatever way uh, we can or we need. One of the big things that we train for is uh, search and rescue and disaster relief. The Civil Air Patrol has uh, upwards of 500 airplanes nationwide, small ones just like you would flight train in, and we use those. Uh, we, we're capable of using those to fly. If someone goes missing, we can get, get a ground team out there, get an air crew out there. We can look to try to find someone. Big thing is searching uh, when, when an airplane goes down, there's a signal that goes off from it. It's called an emergency locator transmitter or something like that, an ELT. Those will give off the signal. Civil Air Patrol will hone in on those and find a missing aircraft. And one of the bigger news recently, um, they've been Civil Air Patrol aircraft have been flying vaccines around for COVID because the those doses have to stay so cold. They, I think what I've heard is you only get about an eight-hour travel window, um, but you need to go to a place that's like 10 hours driving time away. So what do you do? You get an airplane. And so the Civil Air Patrol is able to um, use, use their resources to travel much quicker and get those doses to places in time. It's, it's stuff like that, the Civil Air Patrol, those those are the big items, will we'll make the bigger news, but then there's little things, you know, in the community. 
or even uh, just the cadet programs serving cadets just by being there, giving young people starting at age 12 something to, to get into to start training to develop themselves. And th that's another community service thing that just is a nature of the organization. So, and so you said it was a part of the, uh, uh, that, that you're like the auxiliary of the military? Yeah. So is this like an actual government organization or is it still just like community driven, kind of like the Boy Scouts and stuff like that? So I don't want to get too far into to the murky waters or out into the weeds here, but there's like the Civil Air Patrol as the Air Force Auxiliary side, and there's also the Civil Air Patrol as a, a corporation side. So, you know, it's got a board of governors. It's got just the different leaderships like you would see in a normal corporation, but it's also a nonprofit. So there, there's just a lot of different aspects that play together there. And we get various funding from the Air Force. We get funding from Congress. A lot of things that play in together to, to make Civil Air Patrol what it is. And so it sounds like you get a lot of exp experience with flying and with the military. Uh, do you ever do any sort of like flight simulators at all? So it, it depends. You get out of Civil Air Patrol what you get, what you put into it. That's true of so many organizations, but um, I've got some very concrete examples from Civil Air Patrol from my time uh, in Civil Air Patrol. I've been in for about four and a half years and have gotten to do some really cool things. So, you know, on the base level, we add our squadron. We have just a little, you know, desktop simulator, get the yoke and the pedals. Um, just a little thing for fun for some aerospace education nights. Um, but then we go all the way up to um, our, like, the the first cadet training that you do, we call it encampment. Um, but those are oftentimes held on military bases. So I, I had mine uh, over in Kansas, and we actually had a chance to go in and see, and some of the people got to fly some of the Army's simulators that they actually have there. Um, and then beyond even simulators, we get to go, we don't actually like, you know, we, we don't pilot, but we get to go ride and we, we call them orientation rides. Um, and a lot of times the military will work closely with us on that. So I've had a couple of flights in, uh, Blackhawks, the helicopters, um, which that's really cool. Uh, so beside from building, uh, your small aircrafts and, you know, doing all these fun things, uh, with planes, what other hobbies do you have on your free time, Tim? I mean, obviously, we, we talked about some of the big ones. We got the RC stuff. You know, that's a lot of times what people think about when they talk about hobbies. I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty involved here on campus with the, with the CCH, Christian Campus House. So that's, that fills some more of my time. Beyond that, some of the stuff I, I've gotten more and more into PC gaming ever since uh, you know, I started. And just doing, doing a little bit more of that is fun. Just a good way to relax in the evening when I don't have homework to do. Or sometimes when I do have homework to do, you know, take it or leave it. Nice. And what sort of games do you play? Um, so, of course, you know, the old classic that everyone plays, Minecraft. Uh, What's Minecraft? I've never heard of it before. Oh, Greg. <laughs> I feel like you've probably been playing longer than I have. No, I, I play Roblox. I don't know what we're talking okay. about. Obviously, the I, superior I, I've seen you at debate tournaments playing Minecraft. <laughs> um, uh, you got me. Yep. Yeah, you, you've been busted there. Um... Play. <laughs> oh, well, are we going to get into this argument again? Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, is it the single player or the multiplayer? It's multiplayer. Like, is it MMO online? Yeah, it's MMO. 
Knights of the Old Republic, Tim. <laughs> no, it's not. It's Knights of the Old Republic. No, it's not. I knew we were going to get into this as soon as I started talking about it, but I play <laughs> Star Wars The Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic? Yes, I play too. <laughs> no, you play a different game if you're playing Knights of the Old Republic. I play an MMO. <laughs> I play an MMO as well. About Star Wars called Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. So, yeah, my brother got me into Star Wars The Old Knights Republic. Knights of the Old Republic, yep. And, and actually, my brother's the one who, the, the same brother, he, he got me into Minecraft, he got me into Star Wars The Old Republic, and then more recently he's gotten me into Dota. So, yeah, those, those are kind of the big ones that I have time for um, from time to time. So. Nice. No, but if you, if you want to be a pilot, I would recommend... I haven't asked a question oh, yet, okay. Tim. I thought, okay, ask a question. <laughs> ask away, Greg. <laughs> uh, lastly... Uh, if someone plans on being a pilot in the future, what advice would you give them? I would say plan ahead. That's going to be one of the, one of your biggest things. You know, it's everyone talks about how expensive flying is, and that's for sure a consideration. But if you plan ahead, figure out how you're going to pay for it, and, and get that get that ironed out before you even start. Because then, when you're actually in the training. The biggest advice I'd have for you in the training is be consistent. You know, don't don't just go fly like once every three weeks. Um, see if you can get out there, you know, two, three times a week and fly. Um, that's going to be when things are going to start. You're going to learn. You're actually going to learn. You're not going to be, you know, getting out there and having to relearn every single time. You're going to be able to build on every single lesson. Um, and that's going to be what's going to get you through to learning actually how to fly the airplane and then, you know, continue to learn. And then in the end, that's going to save you money. Um, if you can do it faster like that. And so that's why I say plan ahead. And the the really biggest thing that I would say with being consistent is see if you can get through that first solo, you know, all, all in one go. Because by the time you're soloing, that's when, you know, piloting the aircraft has kind of started to click. I'm not a, I'm not a flight instructor, so don't, you know, don't don't take this as, you know, an official word, but you know, from my experience, that's what I've seen. Is just do that, but but have fun with it. That's that's another thing. My uh, my first lesson that I had um, after my flight academy, um, I think it was my first one. That my instructor was like, you know, have fun with it. It's too expensive not to enjoy. So that there's a lot of truth in that. So just just enjoy it, have fun, um, be consistent, and and um, yeah, just if I'd say if you want to do it, go for it. Let you know there's. There's really no bigger thrill, and you only live once, so. Yeah, and sadly, that's all the time we're going to have for today's episode. Uh, I'd just like to thank my guest here, Tim Richner, for joining us today. Listen to our next episode to hear from Grace Kennedy, a biology pre-med major. I'm Greg Burns, and you've been listening to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio, The Beat. Uh-huh.